0: Shemashem naseven atzliach shiur Torah buchim abayim. We are uh, back here doing our uh, continuing our series, our Tuesday night series, uh, regarding the uh, Geret gra the the letter that the Gaon of Vilna wrote to us that we've been learning for the last year with uh, Hashem together. Tonight's uh, Shiu will be for a Refuash shlemah for Rabbanit Levana Batzara, ben Shulamit, Rabbanit sarah Bat Anat, Avimori David Benesria. Yimei Morati, Doris Bat and also for a Atzlahar Abba, for uh, Marsha Bat Julie, Ayla Bat Marsha, Samuel bin Marsha, Sephaz bin Marsha, Alexander bin Marsha, Louis bin Marsha, and all of Am Yisrael, all of the righteous Noahides that uh, continue to do everything possible to serve a Kadosh as much as possible. So, for those of you that are uh, used to watching the live lectures on Facebook, as you've noticed for the last two lectures. Uh, including tonight. Uh, we have not been able to uh, have a Facebook Live. Not really sure what the technical difficulties are. We're simply doing the same thing we've done many times, and it's just not working. And uh, it's already delaying the lecture 20 minutes. Uh, so now is not the time to fix it. Uh, we're simply just going to do it, uh, which Bo Hashem Hashem uh, uh, was kind uh, on us as usual and already gave us the cure before the ailment where we have already... Some amazing people on a team that developed the live technology already on our app uh, as well as on our website. For those of you that want to watch the lectures live, we typically have lectures on Sunday, Tuesday, and Wednesdays. Typically, it's around 9 o'clock. Uh, you know, and uh, you could go to bh.live, bh.live, uh, and watch the lectures live. Or you could simply go to the app, and there's a little button on top uh that uh, says uh live and you watch the lectures live it's much better than facebook or any other terminal out there and both are much more reliable um many people have told me it's also better sound but either way it's uh, whatever works um as far as the uh updates uh, we're gonna go very brief in regards to the updates because we're already late uh, i know that some of you have asked me in regards to different campaigns different uh, things that we're working on Uh, As I've told you, uh, you know, the organization is constantly working uh, on projects and, uh, you know, day and night are already, you know, mixed into the two. It seems like it's all the same. It's all blending. There's really no time. I know that some of you are asking me to call you uh, and you're not getting any calls because I simply just can't make the time. And even the messages are becoming more and more difficult to answer. Uh, This is why I ask you guys uh, when you're sending me messages, uh, please make them short and sweet uh, and uh, don't send me the migilat Estel messages that are, you know, two, three paragraphs. I know that everything that you're saying is very important. It's just that uh, it lowers the chances of me getting to that message. It's not that I don't want to answer it. It's just that when I see that there is three, four, five hundred messages that need to be answered. And then there's, you know, messages that are one, uh, you know, one little sentence or a 30 second uh, uh, recording versus somebody that sent me you know two pages worth of text it's more likely that i'm going to go to the uh uh, the shorter message just because they also need help just like you do so again it's it's just a trick of the trade it's not uh, uh something that uh um you know we uh want to do uh we want to help everybody but we have to help as many people as possible uh so as far as the uh uh, the messages we're trying to do our best you know we haven't answered the questions on the app in some time because the mes- the questions on the uh, whatsapp and uh, other places are already above and beyond our capabilities because of will uh will find a way to do the app uh, messages also uh in regards to the phone calls please please don't ask me to call you uh i simply can't uh you know if there's something that's uh you know truly urgent i could try to sometimes get somebody from our team to call but from getting a call for me is becoming uh less and less likely just uh again because the the, uh, the time is very limited we still only have 24 hours uh in a day And uh, the amount of people that are in need of help uh, and the amount of projects that are there are simply above and beyond uh, any human capabilities. Uh, Secondly, in regards to the uh, community, uh, I know that some of you have asked in regards to what's going to happen with the community. What about starting something? Um, The truth be told is that there is we found some places uh, out there, you know, some buildings out there. Uh, that uh, seem to be fit, uh, but we don't have the money. Uh, you know, it's a, you're talking about uh, coming up with millions of dollars, uh, which we don't have. We have some money, but we don't have millions of dollars. Uh, even the commitment of a half a million dollars that somebody uh, uh, you know made is, is is becoming more and more iffy, uh, just because we haven't raised the rest of the money. You know, we, we need a lot of money to uh, to start something as significant uh, as uh, as needed. Uh, but uh, the uh, you know the the money that we 're getting in every month you know bo hashem we 're growing each year we 're finalizing the numbers for last year, which Bo hashem is another growth of over fifty percent from the year before but it 's simply just to maintain what we have, which is a growing staff growing a uh, 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 need of you know the the videos the events, the books you know, and helping the poor people there 's simply a lot of things that uh, you know uh, are uh, uh, we're doing each and every month, so to, uh, uh, you know, to, to get something uh, new as far as getting a building and so on, that has to be uh, you know a lot of money that we don't have, and anyone that has the ability to, uh, to raise money from their friends and family, or to uh, write a check themselves, or whatever they can do, by all means, please uh, do uh, what you can to help us. Uh, but for all of you that are giving as much as you can, we appreciate everything that you're doing, and Bezal HaShem will continue to do everything that we can. Um, So that's the update as far as the community. Uh, It's just not uh, plausible right now to buy a building with uh, the money that we have. Uh, We need a lot more, and Bezal HaShem, will get it uh, when the time comes. Uh, As far as the uh, um, uh, the, uh, events uh, tomorrow, Tomorrow is not going to be a stump the rabbi lecture, but I am having a private gathering at my house for Lag BaOmer, and uh, Bezat Hashem uh, at some point will be uh, doing a shiur, uh, and uh, it's probably going to be somewhere around nine o'clock, around the same time that we do the stump the rabbi. So uh, if uh, Hashem wills it, we will uh, have that put on live uh, on the app, uh, and if Facebook works, also on Facebook. So you'll be able to watch a shoe it'll be a very different shoe than typical uh, some stuff that i don't talk about during the rest of the year so for those of you that will be watching you'll definitely get some new things from there there's um, other as far as the event next week live event with people uh we're having it next week wednesday night uh it's uh, gonna be a little earlier than we typically do it uh i believe the uh doors open around six six thirty uh so we'll start the lecture earlier we're probably going to start this, the lecture around 6 30 latest seven uh and uh because the place closes closes earlier it's at the hilton uh those of you that are able to travel whether it's traveling by car or plane or train or whatever you need to do to get there it'll definitely be worth your time to come there's going to be a lot of new insights a lot of interesting things uh some uh, some stuff that's from the other side some stuff from you know as far as the supernatural some things that are musar day-to-day stuff Hashem, there's a lot of torah out there and we're looking forward to sharing it with you especially with the live crowd that's next wednesday so uh it's uh i know that some of you from colorado and uh texas uh new york and other places have come for the last several events which is very very uh appreciative and uh I highly recommend that the rest of you that haven't come to the event should definitely uh, join us simply because it's a uh, very different lecture. When you watch lectures online uh, versus watching a live lecture, you'll understand that it's a world of difference. Even if it's the same content, it's a world of difference being part of an event, part of a lecture, than uh, simply being uh, somebody that's watching it. And of course, if you can't, you can't. You can't come. You can't come. But some people that are very busy schedules with work and family and so on... What they typically do is they come for the night. Uh, you know, they, uh, they come uh, during the uh, day or whatever, and then they uh, stay for the lecture. And usually right after the lecture, uh, they just go to the airport uh, to uh, rest a little bit and then uh, just catch the red-eye flight back to home and they end up not even missing any work. So for those of you that are able to do that, it's definitely worth it. Bezal HaShem, we're doing all of these events for you guys. You know, it's a uh, much easier to do the event at my house and uh and not have to go anywhere but we're doing it for you guys because it makes sense uh to to, to see everybody uh at least once a month until we actually have that uh, uh that location uh but it's it costs an arm and a leg it's a uh, each each place costs thousands of dollars the giveaways are thousands of dollars everything costs a lot of money anyone that wants to sponsor the events whether you want to be a partial sponsor or a full sponsor please uh, uh, uh join us we're at bh chizuk.org b-h-c-h-i-z-u-k.org you could uh, sponsor over there last but not least the Kolel and the uh girls seminary are at full force Bo hashem uh we're starting a new season with the uh the girls seminary uh they uh, just spoke to uh, rabbi uh, alimi that's heading at him and the rabbanit, his wife uh, and a uh, crew of 20 uh, volunteers that uh, are helping. We have hundreds of girls that are uh, desperately in need of a, a program on a regular basis. We're having it several times a week. Uh, we also had a girl seminary that started and uh, already have, I don't know, I think close to uh, uh, 100 girls that have signed up. And Bo Hashem, we're working with the uh, uh, government and some uh, uh, po- uh, politicians to see if they could... Uh, Uh, fund this fund this uh, this big project but the uh, the one that's uh, uh, started it all is the seminary that's only a you know a few times a week two or three times a week we have events and then we have a couple of trips uh, for the year and then we have uh, we have a planned Shabbaton Uh, so anybody that wants to take uh, a piece of that or 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 all of it it's not really much money uh, uh, you know you, you for for $5,000, $10,000 a month, you can do a, uh, a lot. You can do a lot in Eretz Yisrael. Uh, and that's really pretty much what we need, between five dollars and $10,000 a month uh, to, uh, to continue doing that program. So anyone that wants to sign up for that is by all means welcome. The, uh, the Kolels are, Baruch Hashem, uh, growing. We have a uh, Rabbi Sharvit Shichye, uh, uh, that just uh, officially became a Dayan. The other Chachamin uh, that we have at the Kolel uh are also getting closer and closer to Dayanut. we're also considering uh hiring a, a few more uh, Avrahim, having some more Avrahim join us but again with each avrekh it's a commitment it's a commitment to pay them a salary every month it's a commitment to uh make sure that everybody has everything that they need without having to worry about it and we pay a lot more uh, to the Avrahim than other kollel's uh probably a factor of uh you know i would say close to double uh, what other kolos pay, which is the reason why we don't uh, just uh, hire uh, uh, at will and we don't just hire anybody. It has to be a specific type of avrechim. Uh So Baruch Hashem, that kolel. any of you that have already sponsored it, I've heard many of you have told me that as soon as you sponsored a avrech for a week, for a month, for several times, many people have gotten a lot of bracha when it comes to Parnassah. So uh, when it comes to parnasah, this, uh, you know, sponsoring Torah is uh you know one of the greatest things a person can do and the only reason i say one of the greatest things to do is because it's it's tied or slightly behind helping people do tshuva doing Kiev. so uh anyone out there that wants to help us continue doing what we're doing uh the lectures the cds the usbs the books the packages all of that stuff uh is a uh you know could donate on the websites on uh, different avenues we have on the app uh, we just started a gofundme page uh, we have on Facebook, you could donate in a million different ways, you could send a check, either way, there's a lot of ways to contribute, and the reason why I mention all of this uh, uh, stuff is simply because people ask me, where could I donate many times, and you know, there are plenty of places you could donate on our website, there's uh, multiple websites, you can go to bhtorah.org, you can go to bezatashem.org, you can go to one of our campaigns, there's a lot of places that you, a person can donate if they really want it, Uh, and uh, it's important for a person to really want it because when it comes to uh, 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 donations you have to understand that it's it's not just the uh, desire to uh, or or the ability to donate is not enough sometimes I had a lecture several years ago that was uh, as difficult to teach as it was to learn it uh, in regards to doing Kiruv and if I think it's called if you're not doing Kiruv you should be worried uh, and there it's uh, some of the teachings from the sages, uh, parts of it is comes from the Zohar, also uh, different Chachamim uh, that have discussed, Zikui and, rabim and the the whole issue of Kiruv, and Chachamim uh, time and time again teach how a person has to have merits already, pre-existing merits, uh, you know, a lot of good deeds, and uh, not just money, and not just uh, a desire to do good, but they actually have to have merits in order for Hashem to decide that their money will go to a good place because we already have seen from the prophets Jeremiah for example is one of them Uh, Shlomo Melech talked about it also where there's in essence a a a punishment a heavenly punishment and a curse that uh that uh, Jeremiah said to Hashem on certain wicked people where he said that even when they uh, do give uh, charity. Let that charity go to the wrong places because they don't deserve the good that you will bestow upon them for the uh, uh, for the charity they give because they don't mean well. They mean bad things. Where well, from there, many chachamim learn that you'll see many times that there are organizations that literally can can raise a million, two million, five million dollars in a matter of days but you other than hearing about the campaign and how they raised a whole boatload of money in a short period of time you never hear about this organization as one of uh, our dear volunteers uh, told me today he's like, listen i see a bunch of these organizations they raise a lot of money in short periods of time but after that you never hear about them you never hear what they do you never hear anything now that doesn't necessarily mean that they're doing bad it's just that their impact is in essence typically limited to a uh, specific place uh, in, and it's in essence while the public may be uh contributing the uh, the, the private uh, uh few are the ones that are benefiting whereas Baruch hashem as uh, you know as as we you know we've heard many times from you know huge chachamim, uh regular people uh jews non-jews people from all over the world that have said this time and time again and that that uh, really just repeating their statement not even tooting our own horn where they say listen we don't understand how you're you're producing so much information so much content so many books so many videos so much uh, helping so many people being helped uh, as far as the poor one uh, 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 organization asked me how do you feed so many people with such little money i mean we fed 25,000 people last year this year we've already on pace to uh to uh, you know surpass that again and we're not talking about millions and millions of dollars sure it's hundreds of thousands of dollars but it's not millions whereas typically you see uh you know some people that have advertised certain campaigns oh we need you know a uh uh, two million dollars or a million and a half dollars to get 300 kids to go to yeshiva or we need you know five million dollars to feed a couple thousand families with all due respect with either amounts that uh I just st- stated you should be able to do a lot more a million and a half dollars two million dollars should not be just for 300 kids to join yeshiva that's enough to open the yeshiva uh, or at least put a down payment to, to pretty much run the yeshiva at the very least for a, a very big part of the year it's a lot more than just 300 kids $5 million to feed a couple thousand families, uh, maybe it's feeding a couple thousand families and some of those families may be the people that are getting the money and, and you know they're feeding their families houses and cars and, and a bunch of other things. The point being is, is that either people have no idea how to use money or they're just simply cutting and skimming off the top a little bit too much so a lot of the money that people donate don't end up yielding them as much fruit as they would think they donate a hundred dollars $1, a thousand dollars ten thousand dollars but net net as far as what comes out of it as far as actual mitzvah money is very very little at best and this is just a reality a reality one person that has been uh 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 you know breaking my head and and uh non bothering me about this whole chabad situation of how we discussed how there is a systemic problem within chabad Uh, you know, for a while already since the Rebbe, Aleva Shalom, left this world. There's been a systemic, growing systemic problem within Chabad. And one of the things that you keep hearing over and over again from every Chabadnik is that they have 5,000 shlichim and they're in every single place, just like a Starbucks or a McDonald's. Uh, You know, you could find a Chabad everywhere and that's all good. And we're not negating that. We're not speaking against the fact that Chabad has a huge reach, but we are speaking against the fact that Chabad has a lot of heretics Chabad has an ideology that is questionable in many cases especially now that this whole God needs me nonsense that that's heretical that's against the Torah it's against all opinions it's against all opinions that even the Christians and and the Muslims don't say this whole mentality this type of heretical teachings is growing unfortunately it's not just Manus Friedman anymore, it's also Y.Y. Jacobson, it's also some other few, uh, few people that are still unknown, are teaching this nonsense, and Chabad stays, not only stays quiet about it, they're actually, uh, you know, encouraging other peoples to do, it because apparently it's working when it comes to the bottom line, as far as money is concerned, nothing, no bother now of course when i tell this to some of these people that bother me and they call my father or they call different people that i know just because they want to cause uh uh, problems in our lives because they don't like that we speak and actually show evidence for everything that we say their main uh, main argument is look but they reach a lot of places you know they're they're in singapore they're in afghanistan i don't know they're in every hole out there and that's fantastic the problem is not the reach the problem is what are you doing now that you have the stage and that's one of the things that, uh, you know, I, I, I told one of them that told me they have a very big reach and uh, they have over a billion dollars, a billion dollars of money coming in to Chabad on an annual basis at this stage. I know that years ago, maybe about 10 years ago, when there was a research published uh, by some news uh, uh, network that worked together with Chabad, they published that at that time they had a, about a $550 million annual budget or annual uh, you know annually your donations coming in so apparently it's doubled over the last decade which is my baruch. great it's great that you have all that money the question is what are you doing with it how many people are actually doing tshuva how many people are paying for food for for you to have a a, a third meal on shabbat while some people don't even have food to eat at all and how many people are actually doing chuva and changing their lives and when you see the results versus the investment again it's 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 a uh, it's, it's it's simply not what people expect it's not what people expect and and, and surely they know this just as we do, and everybody knows that, that everybody could do better. We ourselves are always trying to do much better. So the point being is, is that when people ask me, you know, where should we donate? Should I donate to this campaign? Should I donate to that organization? I already told you guys, I think about a year ago, two years ago, I no longer recommend any other organization other than our own, simply because I know what we do. I know what we, results we get. I know a lot of different pro, uh, problems that we solve for people. I don't know what other people do. All I know is that when you see the amount of content and information and things that are helping people that come out of our organization and you compare that pound for pound versus others, Bahu Hashem, Akadosh Bahu is giving us the the ability and the merit to be involved in a lot of things. Hence the reason why I remind you for a whole 10-15 minutes already that it's time to get a little more generous because it's for your benefit. It's for your benefit more than anything else. Uh, and that's one of the things that we also learn from this week's parasha and that's one of the things that we learn from the gaon mivilna the gaon mivilna, Hashem, has taught us time and time again about how we have to learn musa we have to learn Alacha, we have to make sure that our children are getting the right education we have to make sure that we're honest at work we're honest in business we have to make sure that we do a lot of these different things in order to perfect ourselves And he's not just talking to the people that are new into the into the religion. He's not just talking to the people that are males or females. He's talking to everybody, including the people that consider themselves and even according to all standards are righteous. He's talking even to his own mother, his own wife, that tzadikot ktoshot that uh you know there was no doubt that they are destined to go to heaven still he's talking to them because you could be destined to go to heaven but still end up in Ghenom if you don't keep yourself on that right path and that's why the mishnah says that a person should never trust themselves until the day they die why because we even have someone that was a kohen gadol a kohen gadol for decades and unfortunately this Cohen gadol ended up going off the derech becoming a complete Manus friedman Apicolis heretic and he ended up losing everything for it literally losing everything and this is when he was already old this is not when he was like 20 years old that he was able to uh, do a lot of things that a 90 or 100 year old man can't do so a person from there what the, the uh, Chachamim learned a person should never trust themselves until the day that they die meaning that every day we have to constantly make sure that we're looking forward at the path that we're on and backwards at the path that we came from are we still on that right path how do we know if it's the right path or it's simply a path that we think it's right simple compare it to what the Torah says what does the Torah say are you constantly developing your character traits are you constantly doing more mitzvot are you growing spiritually are you doing things to serve hashem or are you doing things to serve yourself and one of the things that a lot of people like to talk about is how they believe and and some of them even speak from a place of knowledge they know that they are a good person now question is what is your definition of good and one of the things that is common is like oh i'm a very good person i'm good i'm a good friend i'm a good oh let's just start with that before we talk about all the other things what is a good friend because it's important to be a good friend if if, if a if, if a person actually understands what it means to be a good friend so the god me vilna he uh told his mother that uh and, and the rest of his family in this letter that I also come to ask my wife to honor my mother, as the Torah dictates, especially as she is a widow. To whom it is a grave sin to uh, to cause pain, even with the slightest gesture. So that was the teachings of last week, where the Gaon Vilna emphasized that not only you have to have respect for each other because you're both jews but it's even more so because she's your mother-in-law you have to respect her there's a uh, there's a uh, chachamim this poskim that discuss the obligation to have honor for the uh for the in-laws surely any time that we are obligated to do a certain mitzvah such as to honor your uh uh, uh your parents to honor your older brother to not say to uh uh to love uh, your fellow jew this is talking about people that are torah observant now this is not to say that you if someone is not torah observant you're allowed to uh to hate him and go beat him up like he's a terrorist no this is not what to say the rambam specifically says that it's a very big mitzvah to go help people that are not torah observant to become torah observant it's an extraordinary mitzvah that's kiruv but kiruv is also giving chizu, giving strengthening giving uh uh help to people that are also torah observant but perhaps are not where they need to be maybe they're depressed maybe they're stressed out for unnecessary reasons maybe they don't have enough pitachon and emunah. there's a lot of different aspects of q it's not necessarily just helping a person keep shabbat and uh, and not murder people there's a lot more to q than people think but nonetheless nonetheless it's important to know that a person that is, sees these mitzvot or hears them in a lecture that you have to honor your parents, you have to uh, love your fellow Jew. This is specifically talking to somebody that is Torah observant. And why is that important to know? Because if we were commanded to not say to, to, to do what we do to everybody, regardless of whether they're Torah observant or not, simply you would have a heaven that's empty. You'd have a heaven that's empty. Why because the uh, the reality is is that anytime somebody speaks about another person there is a very high likelihood and by high I mean 90% chance that what you're doing is wrong according to the Torah. And the Rambam says that if somebody spoke leshonara, you know, once in a blue moon, meaning like I don't know, once a year, then, you know, perhaps they may have the ability to go to Olamba, but surely someone that speaks Lashonara on a regular basis has no share of the world to come. So, from here, we know that people that talk, you know, typically they talk about other people. So, if we were obligated to, uh, you know, to love and to honor and to refrain from speaking Lashonara and Rechilut about anybody, not just the observant Jew, Literally, you would have to uh, uh, restructure the whole world and simply just designate everyone to get to Ganome because most people are completely clueless of it. So Hashem brought kindness to the world by bringing us the Torah with specific rules, where He says that yes, although you should not uh, disrespect other people that are not Torah observant, and you should not hate them for no reason, and you should not say lashon hara about them, and so on. But if you do say la hara about this, you know, person that's a, a, a desecrate Shabbat, or, or you know, it's not, it's not a sin it's not a sin. it's not recommended because if you get yourself used to saying about everybody eventually you'll see about the righteous person that will end you know bring you to gain anyway but nonetheless here is a uh, 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 one of the places where who shows us how much he knows the creation how well he knows the creation and the gaomi vilna here is telling us that even the mother and the daughter-in-law his wife and 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 his mother have to make sure that they remind themselves of this reality because not only do they have to respect each other because they're two fellow jews their mother their his mother and his and his wife you know the in-laws but even more so they're both torah observant so the 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 measurement the, the the precision has to be much more extraordinary and you have to be a lot more careful, and then he adds another anecdote to the whole equation, where he says, but of course you realize that my mother is a widow, she was a widow for over two decades, and this is actually what the Gohom Yvonne told his mother, that when you go up to Shemaim, simply tell them about the fact that you were a widow, without a husband for over two decades, that's already enough suffering in this world, that will wipe out any suffering that you were supposed to make for any little sin that you've made in your life. So to be a widow is a very difficult thing, but even more so, it's somebody that Hashem has a lot more mercy for, a lot more protection for. So this is something he's reminding his is, is holy, his is tzaddiket uh, 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 wife. So if this is the way he speaks, uh, with such veracity, with such clarity, uh, with such zeal to, to righteous women that he knows are righteous needless to say this is all appropriate for us now back to our original point as far as friend everyone thinks they're a good friend you ask people what is a good friend oh I'm there if my friend needs me I helped them move I uh you know I uh a few times I gave him a ride somewhere you know a few times when I had it I lent them some money the truth is is that really just being a good friend it's good things it's good things but does that really make a person a good friend this is one of the things that we're going to go into a little bit today, Bezat Hashem, because this is a uh, uh, not just a, uh, a Musar teachings, but it's actually laws according to the Torah, also having to do with our weekly parasha. Now, the Gaomi Vilna goes further and says Also to you, my mother, my request is that peace should reign between the two of you and that each woman should strive to gladden the other with good words for this is a great mitzvah incumbent upon everyone as we find in atzah midrashim when a man is judged he will be asked did you make your fellow a king over you graciously we see that one must make his friend his king graciously In fact, the majority of the Torah is focused to bring joy to mankind. So here we see that the Gaon Mivilna is talking about friendship. And he says also, perhaps a point that we may or may not cover today, that uh, even if one of you should do something improper, forgive each other and live in peace for Hashem's sake so that last point probably needs a shield of its own but here we see that he's now turning the message towards his mother that he asks her specifically to make sure that you know she's the one that has even more experience she's the one that is a uh, you know obviously raised them she's the one that has seen a lot more and he wants to make sure that he reminds her also that uh, she has to be she has to concern herself with peace because there's a not just a special mitzvah but the mitzvah the mitzvah that a person has to make sure that they fulfill during their lifetime is being a friend being a good friend now being a good friend is not just giving somebody a ride helping them move and lending them a few dollars here and there if if necessary and if you have it being a good friend as we would find out today perhaps means a little bit more than that perhaps means a little bit more than that where he says that we uh, a person has to strive to be a good friend how by gladdening the other with good words meaning that a person has to take ownership of the responsibility that they have each and every single day to make their fellow Jew happy now this is perhaps too big for some of you to to grasp because some are having a tough time making themselves happy but the truth be told is that whether you are happy or not you're still obligated to make your fellow Jew happy meaning the fact that you're upset about whatever it is that you're going through does not absolve you from the responsibility of gladdening your friend making sure that he's happy making sure that she's happy and in fact so much so that it's in the Torah in many places and the Gomi Vilna brings one source the source that he brings is a scary source why because this source this Otsara Midrashim is quoted by the by the uh, uh the in Shara Ya, the section that discusses Chibut Kevel, the uh, the beatings of the grave. And the beatings of the grave, for those of you that have watched the movie Chibut Kevel that we made, Bahu Hashem scared the living lights out of everybody, uh myself included, and probably more than others. Uh, because the more you know the more uh, uh the more scary the, re- the reality is but uh there's a section there's a certain uh step during the process of where a person is asked questions is asked questions and one of those questions is whether he made his friend a king over him now in today's world most people are looking to be king she's looking to be queen people are looking for attention they're looking for notoriety they're looking for likes they're looking for people to share their stuff they're looking for people to put them on the stage they're looking for people to hear their their message so when you have a torah that was given to am israel 3333 years ago in front of millions of people tell you that really instead of seeking attention as many people do you should actually do whatever you can to make your fellow into a king over you now of course the people that immediately got their ego hurt and of course they don't want to get their uh, their their attention taken away by their friend they say no no what do you mean that's idol worship making my friend a king over me only god is my king okay but as the Shlomo Melech says, don't be overly righteous, hear the message and understand what, what a friend actually means. Now, the Zohar Kadosh in Parashat Noach, page 48, has Rabbi Akiva asking his Rabbi, Rabbi Eliezer ben Halkanos, a question. He says, Rabbi, when will the salvation come? When will the Mashiach come? Rabbi Eliezer ben Hokuno says to him that it all depends on tshuva. When Am Yisrael does tshuva, a Kadosh will bring the Mashiach, will bring the salvation. So much so that a Kadosh Bauchul lowered the standards. Where it's not all of Am Yisrael is required to do tshuva. And it's not even the majority of Am Yisrael. HaKadosh Baruch Hu yearns to bring the Mashiach, to bring the salvation, to bring us a part of the Torah that we have never seen before because this Torah is not the type of Torah that we can handle in this world because we're full of tumah of impurities and sins and desires and lust. He wants to give us all of this so much that he lowered the standards that even if a single keilah, a single keilah, a, a group of 10 Jews, a minyan, does tshuva, Akadosh B'chu bring the Mashiach. Because their merit, their merit is so beautiful, so g- glorious in the eyes of Akadosh B'chu that they've all done tshuva as a group, that Akadosh B'chu will. Spread that merit among all of Am Yisrael to benefit from it. That's how much a Kadosh Baruch is waiting for Am Yisrael to do Tshuva. The Arizal tried to do this. He gathered a group of his students and they rented a, uh, a place where everybody moved into each one with his family with his wife kids and so on had a solid group of righteous people he told them we're all here to to bring the salvation to bring the Mashiach everyone knows Torah completely observant these are not just regular people these were all solid people he said make sure that there's no machloket No fighting between you no fighting between everybody why because we need to show kadosh that we've all done tshuva because the the problems if you are fighting not for the sake of heaven if you're debating in allah in regards to the torah for the sake of heaven that's good that's glorifying kadosh who's name through toiling of his torah if you have two different ideas and one happens to be wrong one happens to be right and you're debating it that's good too but if You are just going at it at each other because you wanna win and you wanna win, you think you're right, and you think you're right, and you don't even care. You don't even care about necessarily whether you're right or not, you just wanna win, and you just wanna fight, and you just wanna hate each other just because of a certain look, or because you live somewhere or because a certain tradition, all those things, they belong to the Sitra Acha. So make sure not to fight at all. After a week, no fights everybody got a big baruch. everybody was going unfortunately by the second week already a fight developed where between the wives one of the wives didn't like how one of the other husbands spoke to our husband she didn't like it so she said something to his wife and his wife said what do you mean but my husband's a much bigger than yours and all of a sudden there's already tension. Darizal heard about this and he rebuked the students at home You have to calm your wives down. Eliminate any of this nonsensical hatred, baseless hatred. You have to calm everybody down. You have to focus on dua. You have to have peace. As you would have it, Darizal the, the understood what's happening in Shamay, and he knew. That this is an opportune time, an auspicious time to bring Mashiach at that time. But unfortunately, the peace never came back. In fact, there was a night, a Friday night, where Darizal walked into the room with all of his students, and he officially told them, "We've lost our chance." because you guys fought before I was here he knew already that they fought when he came into the room everybody was like a good little boy but Darizal didn't have to see it in order to know it and he says we lost our chance the door is closed and some say that he told them because of everything that happened the loss here is that you're going to lose me and he died shortly thereafter so to bring a minyan of people into a place where they all do tshuva to the extent where they can bring mashiach is not as necessarily as easy as it sounds and once we understand what it means to be a true friend we'll understand why it's not necessarily so easy it's possible it's attainable but it's not easy. The Baba Sali, Aleve Shalom. He had a custom to make sure that there is constantly a uh, food ready for people to eat. And as soon as somebody would come to his house, the first thing he would do is make sure that, that this person ate. And there was literally an endless kitchen his uh his grandson Rabbi Khatzira, also continued this tradition where there's literally right part of the house is a 24 hours a day kitchen constantly food anyone that would come in first thing before you ask any questions before any blessings before any anything sit down and eat why make sure that this person Number one is not hungry. A hungry person, very very difficult for them to achieve happiness. Second thing is when they're eating. Now you have to do bless Hashem. Also you have to discuss Torah. The uh, the Chachamim say in Masechet Avot that if uh, uh, two people are uh, are uh, eating, or three people, three people are eating and they don't discuss between between them a dvar Torah. It's like their uh, their food turns into their, their table turns into an altar for idolatry. When you eat, you have to discuss words of Torah. So the Baba Sidi made sure that people are coming in there, they have food, they're satiated, and they speak Divre Torah. But it was also a way for him to make others happy. It was also a way for him to make his fellow Jews happy. People that are full are happier. The people that are uh, starving. Now, the uh, Gemara in Masechet Baba Metzia, I'm sorry, Masechet page sixteen a, says that if you are, if you have, let's say, a uh, kids, and you have uh, their friends are over your house and of course you know at some point during the day there's a uh, you have to feed the kids or give them a snack so you're not just going to give this uh snack or food just to your kids and make their friend you know sit on the side watch them eat. of course if you're a normal person you're also going to have this other kid eat the gemara says if you're going to feed somebody else's kid make sure to notify their parents now, it didn't say, go call them, go uh, make sure I listen. I'm making uh, chicken for lunch. It's okay that I feed your kid? No, it didn't say call them. It didn't say, oh, go in their house. Oh, listen, we have some cake and uh, we're going we're gonna to eat. Is it okay if I give your uh, daughter a cake? No, it didn't say it to go there. But it says notify them. So Gemara like, I ask, how do I notify them? How do I notify them? It says, smear a little bit of that food, whatever it is on their face you know you had a chocolate cake put a little chocolate on their uh, forehead put it on their cheek put it on their ear what is it uh, makeup what's, what's going on here why why do i need to put a little cake a little this why this little cute kid is gonna go home okay this cute kid's gonna go home she's gonna go home and as soon as they go home say ah ima had so much fun and as soon as the first thing that a parent does when they see their kid coming back from somewhere, they check the kid. They, you know, say a whole uh, laser goes through the kid. His arms, place, check. Legs, check. Eyes, check. Everything is checked. First thing, before good time, no good time, just to see if everything is still there. If bruise, would you get the bruise from? And they start asking questions. They start, you know, drilling the kid. Oh, what'd you do? Where'd you go? What'd you say? Where'd you wear? It's a questionnaire. The kid has to get a passing grade. Now, a well, parent sees that a little kid has a little chocolate on their face, on their ear. So, who did that to you? Oh, that was, that was David's mommy. What? David's mommy put cake on your ear? Why? Oh, we ate cake. It was fun. Oh, you had cake? She made you cake? Yeah, it was so good, Ima. It was amazing. I, actually, they wanted to give me a piece for you, but I ate it. All of a sudden the mommy is so happy that, what? That her son was fed cake by some, some other lady. Why? She could feed him cake herself. She could feed him chicken herself. Why does that make her extra happy? Because somebody else loves my son too. Somebody else cares about my son that makes me happy. And the Gemara says, you make sure you notify the other parent. Why? Because that's a way for you to make them happy it's a way for you to fulfill the mitzvah of making your fellow jew happy why by showing them you care about their son also care enough about them to feed them a cake or chicken or whatever it is you feed them so here we see that some of the messages that you have in our holy torah are so extraordinary that if we were to apply them to our day-to-day lives surely the world would be a better place but of course the yetzara works very hard very hard to distract people and put their attention elsewhere put their attention on some move something moving some ball moving some car moving some uh, chart of money moving some news always trying to take our time steal our time from us and put that time and that life elsewhere and not fulfilling the mitzvot the golem Vilna speaks clearly and very harshly at times in regards to our obligation to fulfill the mitzvot and here he's telling his own mother that there is a obligation to gladden your fellow jew with good words to gladden their heart it's a mitzvah that's incumbent upon everyone and the source that he gives her is not just Oh, you should love your fellow Jew as you love yourself. This is a nice thing to know. This is, he lelez a says, this is the whole Torah. No, no, no. He tells her, ima, you have to make sure to make my wife happy. You have to make sure you make your fellow Jew happy. And he tells the same thing to his wife and tells the same thing to his kids. He tells the same thing to his students. Tells the same thing to himself. Why? Because one day you're going to die. And when you die, there's a whole process called chibuta kevil and that is the process that is not necessarily a pleasing process needless to say it's not the end it's part of the process of judgment for a whole life if you've made sure to serve a kadosh chu as he dictated your whole life that process will ultimately be a fantastic thing that ever best thing that ever happened to you why because the result of it will be you going to heaven forever but if you are looking simply to serve yourself then that process will be the biggest nightmare of all nightmares that you cannot even imagine all of the hollywood films if they put all of their budgets together they cannot make a single scene of what happens In the afterlife of the wicked. And he wanted to delve a little bit into that part of the Torah. Understanding what happens on that side. Hashem Ishmael V'atzil. The scariest movies you could ever imagine. Cannot even scratch the surface. And this is what the Galat is telling his wife. This is what he's telling his mother. That's the source of why you have to make each other happy. And why you have to make your fellow Jew happy because they're going to ask you in Shemaim did you make your fellow a king over you not just were you nice did you make your fellow a king over you the book of Exodus chapter 22 verse 21 the Torah states an obligation not to cause pain to any widow or orphan but Rashi elaborates there that you're not allowed to cause pain to anybody in fact in this week's parasha in this week's parasha Baruch Hu teaches us about the mitzvah of shmita, and how there is you have to serve Baruch Hu through your business your growing crops six years after that you have to stop whatever is left is not yours not that you're not allowed to touch it or sell it but it doesn't belong to you in fact the whole time that it was there it never belonged to you this belonged to the poor this belonged to the destitute the stuff that's on the seventh year it's not yours further a reality check to what tells us that when you conduct business with each other not just if you're dealing with the poor people to be nice to them no no you're not being nice to them by allowing them to take what belongs to them as far as the crops and so on you're fulfilling your obligation of simply giving somebody what belongs to them but what about when you're not dealing with somebody that's poor you're dealing with a fellow Jew? if you're dealing with a fellow Jew you have to know that when you conduct business with people you're not allowed to take advantage of people's foolishness as the uh Pasuk says a Pasuk says that um when you make a purchase from the hand of your fellow don't aggrieve one another Onkelos says don't aggrieve one another by overcharging or underpaying you have a customer the customer is completely clueless everywhere in the world they sell this product for hundred dollars your customer just came from a different place he has no concept whatsoever and you figure you're gonna tell him out oh, two thousand dollars and he's willing to pay it. now if it's worth that kind of money because that's what the uh industry selling it for no problem but if everywhere else if you could just go to the store next door and get it for a hundred and you just decide to charge him $2,000 and you're overcharging him, you're violating the Torah. Same thing is, if you go to a place and you know that the guy is struggling. You know the guy is struggling. You know the guy is trying to make ends meet. And tell him, listen, I'm willing to buy this thing from you, but what do you want? The price says $10,000. How about this? I'm going to give you $2,000 for it. No, I can't. It's under cost. Under cost, no under cost. Either you get my $2,000 or uh, you're going to end up shutting down your entire company because you don't have money to to pay rent. You know he's in a bad position and you're underpaying him. It's not just not being a nice person. You're violating the to Now, again, you could say, oh, but it's just business. No, no. There's ways to do business. There's ways to do business. Some people feel that the only way they can get ahead is by stepping over, stepping on top of other people. Stepping on top of one people. One time, it was a uh, guy that I know that uh, had a situation. He had a uh, legal issue with his house. And uh, there was a lawsuit. Now the lawsuit was uh, said that it's going to be if you don't come up with a certain amount of money or sell the place or whatever you are uh, there's going to be an auction to sell the house foreclosure now the house was worth a lot and the house had equity in it but to get a buyer so quickly and so on is not necessarily always easy, easy. but he had or at least he thought he had mazal and uh his neighbor was also in a uh similar field to him was also had money and uh he told listen i know that uh you like to uh uh, expand your house why don't you buy my house or those apartments why don't you buy my apartment oh yeah actually i could do it i could make the apartments connect them i would have the biggest apartment in the building great okay fine what do you want and they agreed on the price okay but the only thing is the condition is you uh, you have to come up uh, we have to close the deal you know within a, uh the next whatever month or so sure no problem this guy had a bunch of money now why do you have to close this deal oh because i have this issue with the uh foreclosure oh okay okay no problem yeah no problem i need it i want that part okay fine now both parties benefit one guy gets out of this situation with this house the second guy gets an opportunity he's never going to get again by getting the house for a uh, that he was never going to be able to buy any other way because if he listed elsewhere long story short both people were happy right Broke. why the second of this guy the second guy that was supposed to buy the place found out that there is a issue here he had a plan what was his plan why should i pay Four million dollars for something that I can get for less, well, you agreed to that price, you came up with that price, yeah, but maybe I can get it for less, yeah, but at least tell him you don't want it for that price. no, 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 what did he do? He started wasting time, started wasting time, oh, no no, my lawyer is doing a check, and a the accountant and this and that long story short, wasted a lot of time before you know it. The time of the auction already came up and no deal was made. And what ended up happening is that this person that had the apartment was in a place where he couldn't do anything about it anymore. The house ended up, instead of being sold, it ended up going to auction. And this Rasha, this is the first guy, no, the second guy, his job was he wanted to buy the house from the auction at first price at the uh, to, at a much lower price of course this is evil beyond evil but this type of stuff happens every day there's certain people that they look for they look for the failures of their fellows in order for them to succeed now I know that there's a business where people buy foreclosed businesses and foreclosed properties it's one thing where it's your business to do these things and you're looking for something that's already left or so it's a completely different thing if you are actually causing it in one way or another or you're looking to take advantage of people that are in uh in weak positions it's everyone knows it's unethical now torah tells us here that this is also against the torah and a person needs to if he's going to conduct serious business he has to make sure that he knows the rules when it comes to doing business because a person may think that oh right I'm just hustling I'm just uh you know paying my bills I'm paying the tuition for the yeshiva for my kids no one says that you need to pay the tuition for yeshiva with blood no one said that you had to kill people for it if Hashem wants to give you upon He I can give it to you in a ethical manner you don't need to take advantage of people to do that but unfortunately many people believe that they need to lie about their competition in order for them to elevate themselves, they need to steal money or goods or products or whatever it is. They need to take advantage of others in order to get ahead. In fact, the Gemara says in A person that takes honor in his fellow's failures has no share of the world to come. So here the Torah tells us that when you make a purchase from the hand of your fellow, don't aggrieve one another. And Uncle says this is in regards to overcharging, underpaying. But even more so, that it says, Each of you shall not aggrieve his fellow, and you shall have fear of your God, for I am Hashem your God. So here it says, Don't aggrieve your fellow, and you shall fear God. What does it mean, you shall fear God? What does it have to do with you know not, not causing each other to be angry? don't uh what is this all about why does why does my fear of Hashem have anything to do with a grieving my fellow Rashi says this is a uh referring to mistreating your fellow through harassing them annoying them giving them bad advice for your own benefit you tell them hey, listen you should sell the house you don't need this house. You should sell it. Why are you tell him to sell the house? Not because it's good for him to sell the house, but because you're going to benefit out of him selling the house. You tell him, ah, "Listen, you should quit." Why are you tell him to quit? Because you want his job. So certain people that are annoying their fellow, giving bad advice to their fellow. And further, Rashi says this warning is to a person who thinks that he can give bad advice. To his fellow Jew, and no one will know what his intent is. He is forgetting that Akadosh Baruchu is watching everything and knows his thoughts. And therefore, when it says, Don't aggrieve your fellow, I am God, meaning don't aggrieve your fellow, and perhaps you think that if you fooled him, you fooled everybody. But you can't fool Hashem so if you're thinking that you could take advantage of your fellow you could call him at three o'clock in the morning just to annoy him to wake him up because you think it's funny or you figured that you could just knock on his door and you know insult him in front of his family because he owes you a few dollars you think you could do all these different things that i am god he says maybe he doesn't have the tools or the strength to fight you but a kid who says i do I do. See here we see that there are very serious prohibitions when it comes to harming your fellow. Now the that's quoted by Rashid says that you have to make you have to make sure that you have answers to the questions when you go up to Shamaim. They ask you, did you busy yourself with Torah study and with kindness to others? You have to make sure that you have the right answer because a person that does not learn Torah on a regular basis has no share of the world to come. If you failed question number one and you did not learn Torah regularly, all you could hope for is that you could answer the other questions in a better way so your punishment is lesser but also it says not just learning Torah but also make sure that you're kind to others meaning don't think that just because you learn Torah that gives you the permission to simply insult everyone else that doesn't or everyone else that is not on your level if you find yourself in a position where on a daily basis all you can see is the wrong in everybody else and nothing is right typically the problem is bigger with you than with everybody else now when you say that there are certain things are not good in the world in a book or in a lecture that's not because that's all you see but rather that's because what you're trying to bring people's attention to so you can resolve this issue and thereby make the world a better place you can't focus every book and every page and every lecture only on the good things because then people would ask oh if everything is good what's the point of this lecture typically when you see books and you see lectures that are given by people that are looking to help the public you'll see that they typically focus on fixing problems not just talking about how wonderful everything is and that uh good job for everybody so if you're doing it from the from the position of giving a lecture giving it teaching people you have to highlight certain things that are wrong in order to motivate people to fix these things that are wrong and sometimes even remind them that what is wrong is actually wrong because sometimes people don't even know that what they're doing is wrong on the other hand you would think that people should know everything is wrong but it's not necessarily the case there's a famous story from years ago there was a guy that a, uh, a young couple that uh got married in El Tisrael, and uh shortly after their marriage you know they wanted to go hang out and they went to the beach they both had a lot of friends so they went with a whole group of friends and of course you know they wore the clothes that people wear in the beach or lack thereof now on the beach everyone's friendly playing joking swimming tanning whatever it is that people do okay the husband and the wife having a good time shortly after you know the uh, uh the sundown they decide to go home and uh finish the day at the beach go back to the house they go back to the house and shortly after uh, they got to the house you know the wife didn't have enough uh, didn't get the chance to to change to but someone knocks on the door who is it david and Shmuly. oh there he's wrong oh, golly come for coffee so the wife runs to the door how with the same shemishmo bathing suit that she went to the beach with and right before she's about to open the door like, hey, hey what are you doing she says what what i'm opening the door for david and shemuli like that put something on she looks at him she goes what do you mean put something on i was like this all day with everybody what are you talking about because no, but that's the beach his wife is confused what do you mean At the beach, there's a lot more people. Here is only David and Shmuli, And there lie a dilemma in this guy's head and he realized that there's something wrong with him. All the while she's on the beach, despite being his wife, he has no problem with tens of thousands of people, see his wife practically naked. But the moment, she changed the place. They're back at the house and only a couple of people want to visit. All of a sudden he cares about modesty. So sometimes a person could literally look at the wrong thing straight in the face and not realize that it's wrong. And in several other places says that a person cannot see the obligation himself unless he does a self-accounting on a regular basis through the Torah. Many times there are certain things that you'll read certain things that you'll hear in the lecture that pertain to you but instead of applying it to yourself you'll look at how everybody else is doing it wrong and as I said the other day in the lecture everything that you hear from the Torah everything that you read from the Torah is pertaining to you don't look at everybody else so here we see that these teachings in regards to the questions that are in Shamaim in regards to Torah learning in regards to kindness is a personal message from a Kadosh Baruch Hu to us right now that we need to learn Motola and we also need to be more kind and instead of saying no but I'm already don't do I'm already then that means you've missed the whole Shior don't say I'm already whatever you're doing apparently we needed to learn today we need to do more second did you make Hashem your king morning and evening when you recite that's the question in Shemai. what does it mean to make a king morning and evening when you say shema Israel, the average person that says shema Israel does not actually know what they're supposed to be doing especially if they run away from teachings from books from lectures that discuss punishment from lectures that discuss the issues that happen to people if they don't do what hashem said why is it that, why is that the case because chachamim teaches us that if a person has irat shamayim and they're trying to serve a Kadosh Baruchu, it's not just when it's in front of everybody that you're supposed to do it but rather when you're alone and even more so when you're saying shema yisrael because when you're saying shema yisrael you are accepting akadosh kinghood and thereby saying hashem i love you with all of my heart with all of my life with all of my resources and Chachamim teaches us that at that moment, when you're saying to Akadosh Baruch Akadosh HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I love you. It's not I love you like you say to your wife I love you. It's not I love you like you say to your kids I love you. It's not I love you like you say to your best friend I love you. No, no, no. When you say I love you to Akadosh Baruch Hu, you are supposed to be imagining that right at this moment, there are Christian idol worshippers. There are all types of enemies of Am Yisrael that are about to kill you unless you convert to their religion. And you are saying, Hashem, I love you and I'm going to go burn for you because I love you. And you have to imagine as if you're getting all four different types of death penalties by the Sanhedrin at that moment. And you're willing to do it because of your love for HaKadosh Baruch this is what it means here when it says did you make Hashem your king morning and evening reciting most people say yeah and you know just you can't wait to get to the end and all of us are guilty of that all of us are guilty of the fact that many times you can even say more times than not People can say Shema Yisrael and have no concept whatsoever of what they're even saying and what they're doing. Especially people that are against the teachings of real Torah. Because they tell, no, you're supposed to only love Hashem and not fear Him. And you ask yourself, did you read Kriyat Shema and understand what it says? Where Kadosh Baruch Hu tells you that you're supposed to love Him? Do you even know what that means to love Him? Furthermore, even if you don't know what it means to love Him, do you know what it says in there that when you go against Hashem, Hashem is going to starve your kids, starve you, famine, death, plagues, horrible things, in Shema Yisrael every morning. Did you read that and actually get the message? So it's bizarre, but yet it's clear where the yetzara is so clever that he can show a person the wrong thing straight in his face and that person's ignorance and arrogance combined will make him look right through that wrong thing thinking that it's meant for somebody else so the gaumi Vilna brings a point where he says you're going to be asked questions if you've made your fellow a king over you, as part of the first few ca- questions you get asked in Chibuta Kever. Then you're going to be asked Did you make others your king? Not others your king, like did you serve an idol? That's already asked by the questions before it. But meaning, did you make your fellow a king over you? The Sefer Pninega Benu Avi has a story about Rav Eliezer Menachem Shach, where Rav Shach Alav Shalom had this behavior that was Kodesh Kodeshim, if you noticed it, where each time somebody would speak to him, he would be doing what they're doing, if they're standing he's standing if they're sitting he's sitting even later on in his life when he's already in his 90s and it's much more difficult to move the body if any of his students young boys older men all walks of life came to the rav to ask him a question if they were standing Shach would get up and stand with them if they sat down he would sit one of the students asked the Rav why do you do that why do you stand I mean is it, why, why do you go to that burden especially as the Rav is older now it's more difficult Rav Shach says it's written that each person is asked as part of his heavenly judgment did you make your friend the king I want to be able to respond affirmatively. Yes, I stood while speaking to visitors who were standing. Meaning, because he is fulfilling the Torah, he looks at everything from the perspective of the Torah. The Torah says, did you make your fellow a king? How can I make my fellow a king if He's standing, and I'm having a good time laying down. Rav Shach says, although I can sit, why should I if he's standing? Now, you could say, yeah, but you don't have to. You're right. You don't have to. But I want to have a good answer when I go up to Shemaim. When they ask me, did you make your fellow a king over you? At least I have something to say. What am I saying? Yes, how? How? At least I know something I did my whole life. My whole life I made sure that if he was standing, I was standing. If he was sitting, I was sitting. Then we wonder, how did they become such tzaddikim? And we realize their day-to-day behavior is not something that is a, uh, easy to do. But when somebody is constantly thinking about the 13 principles of faith, life after death being one of them, where you're thinking about how a Kadosh Bahu rewards the righteous and punishes the wicked, surely that's referring to life after death. When a person is thinking about life after death, it changes behavior during his life that he knows is really a place you're supposed to live in order to earn merits for you to live forever Israel constantly focused on the Torah in such a way that they managed their lives based on the instructions of the Torah rather than use the torah in order to see how it can apply to their life now the torah focuses on every aspect of life but the Gaumi vilna says that it's clear that this obligation to make your fellow a king over you and having to gladden your fellow this is the majority of the torah the majority of the torah is to bring joy to mankind now of course let that say no it's not referring to the it's not saying majority of the torah but rather it's an obligation of the torah to bring joy to men but even if somebody has this new suck that says that the majority of the torah is in order to bring joy to man surely there's an answer for that too because although the majority of the mitzvot in the torah are between a man and god and not man and man still if a person looks deeply into the torah he sees that how even the mitzvot that are between man and god are those that bring joy to a person and his fellow and the more righteous he is according to what akadosh who decreed the better he is going to be to his fellow even with what seems to be unrelated mitzvot the sabam Slavotka says that When it comes to the uh the gifts to the poor whether it's the maaser or it's the uh the fallen stalks like the that we discussed he says the rishonim have taught us that these gifts that come from the field owner's crops are in fact the pauper's property even while still in the field owner's possession like we said earlier and the field owner is merely a guardian for the poor man's stocks should he choose to keep them he is deemed to be stealing the poor man's possessions and the same is true says the in the case of greeting another person with a smile every person is fully obligated to share a pleasant face with his fellow man and one who does not do so is essentially stealing them something that is rightly theirs so here we see that you have a Torah obligation between you and God if you have a field you have to observe the Shemitah on the sixth year you can't you have to stop after that 17 you can't take any of the crops but again the what's left there whether it's the tithe the master you take during those six years or it's the uh fallen stocks even during the uh the shemitah year you should know this is not your money this is not your crops this is simply your bank for the poor people it's their property so this torah obligation between you and god is in essence one of the ways that you could bring gladness or sorrow to your friend if you follow the will of god you not only will bring good to yourself but you also thereby bring good to your fellow if you don't follow the will of god you end up bringing sorrow to your fellow because now instead of him coming to your field and finding some food to eat he finds nothing he finds that somebody stole his stuff it says even more so applying to your everyday person that thinks that their face belongs to them and thereby walks around however they want she puts enough makeup on our face because she wants everybody to be aroused the second that she sees her face she wants everybody to think of her forever as a result of the way that she dresses and this is not the way to to, uh, to behave why because if you're bringing that those that those types of thoughts and feelings to people you are a sakana you are a danger to you're a hazard to society because if a person that is going to look at you and see something that is attracting his attention away from his wife surely that will make it his appreciation of his wife lesser if she's next to him while he's doing it it could create much bigger damage And increase the divorce rate even more so. While it's still possible to increase it because it's literally almost approaching 100%. You have a better chance of winning the lotto than you have staying married in Western society these days. So you have a situation where a woman thinks, oh I'm going to walk around in such a fashion where I want all the people to look at me and remember my face and think all types of thoughts about. You are a hazard because people that look at you don't appreciate what they already have. And In fact, they start getting to the point of desiring to do things that are forbidden, not just by their spouse, but by God himself. So you're causing these people to inflict damage on themselves and those around them. On the other hand, a person that realizes their face is not something to attract attention, but that doesn't mean that you have to walk around with your head between your legs, or like the Arabs think that they're righteous by covering their wives' faces. No, that's not the way of Amish said. Simple, look, happy. Not go and shake every guy's hand and every girl's hand and hug people in the streets and uh befriend all the homosexuals no no one's saying that simple have a nice face if you see somebody that you know make sure they know that you are happy not just you're happy because you have such a wonderful life you're happy to see them give them the feeling that they are at least part of the reason why you're happy and you have a smile on your face and instead of walking around with a upside down smile at all times thinking that that is a reflection of how righteous you are realize that that face of yours that causes other people to be sad because you're always angry and you're always mad and you're always a sad you're causing damage to them not that much less than that forsaken woman is that's looking to cause people to become attracted to her. Now again, no one says, walk around and hug strangers. Love everybody the same. No. You have to have a certain face where if someone looks at you, they don't get depressed and start thinking of the destruction of the Beit If they look at you, they don't become, you know, perhaps happier that they don't look suicidal like you. No. You have to have a pleasant face even more so if you see somebody and someone you having a connection or eye contact with somebody even more so and if it's somebody that you know it's important for you to smile it's important for you to have a happy face enough to give them pleasure as if they're the ones that caused it to you now what if you're not happy you still have to smile Rafhaim Ozr in the uh writes Years ago in my youth, I used to think that the main job of someone in my position, he was the Gdoladon, he was the head rabbi, thought that someone in my position, his job was to write Chidushet Torah and publish many Sfarim. But now I've come to the conclusion. That writing Sfarim is actually child's play in comparison to the need to support widows, orphans and the poor and Torah scholars. Meaning that yes you have to learn Torah you have to teach Torah you have to write Sfarim but that is not the ultimate purpose of everything because there is a greater goal to take all of that torah that you learn and apply it to life part of a, of, of learning torah is applying the Torah to your life The Gemara in says that if a person learns torah just for himself not for the sake of benefiting others it's like a person that has a, a different god you're supposed to apply the torah so Rav Kozinski says, on one and when I was younger, I thought just learning Torah and, 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 and writing books that's enough. No, no, no. I have to apply it. How do I apply it? Bringing kindness to people out there, to the orphan, to the needy, to the widow, to the people that are already had of being a difficult time and are more prone to be depressed, more prone to be down. To help the poor Torah scholars, lift them up not just with money sometimes even with a smile sometimes with a few words of encouragement you'd be surprised how self-conscious many great torah scholars are they have an enormous amount of information in them they've toiled for but they're surrounded by a world that not only doesn't appreciate them but mocks them on a regular basis they know that they have diamonds in their hands but they're surrounded by a world that calls those diamonds coal that calls those diamonds garbage so when you tell them listen why don't you give a shoe put it on the internet they look at you like why who's gonna listen to this people are making fun of me every day they're gonna listen to me talk on the internet why why would anybody listen to me and you'd be surprised how many Torah scholars we've had to convince over the years to put their lectures on the internet so other people can benefit from it and the response that we get from some of these holy people is like why would anybody listen to me why would anybody listen to me so just because somebody has a lot of information a lot of torah doesn't necessarily mean that they're automatically confident the two don't necessarily go together why because again you have to look at things from their perspective people are their perspective and Rav Gozinski says that yes, learning Torah, writing books, important. But it's also very, very important to help those that are in need, whether they be orphans or they be widows, poor people, Torah scholars, help those that are in need. And in fact, helping them is much more difficult than writing books. This is a big part of the reason why our organization does everything. We help the poor, we help the Torah scholars, and needless to say, Hashem, we learn Torah. Because if you're looking to fulfill the Torah, whether it be as an individual or as an organization, you're left at a place where you have to do all of it if you really want to achieve your mission. Now, Houtnel, who is one of the G'dolei Ado in America, says that in one of his letters I was very I was certainly very happy to hear that I was successful in providing some encouragement in his time of pain and anguish For what is left for someone in my position to do if not to lighten someone's painful burden here you have a situation where someone was suffering apparently it seems like somebody died and a person a Jew was suffering and one of the in the previous generation comes, takes time out of his busy day. Instead of learning more Torah, instead of teaching more, instead of doing anything else, he stops his day to go and help this Jew that he doesn't know. And he makes sure to follow up what happened as a result. Did he stay okay? Did I do? Did I achieve my mission? And he gets a response yes yes he was very happy you gave him some chizuk and how writes another letter saying oh i was very happy that i achieved this purpose of actually giving him some encouragement despite his anguish and his pain because what else can somebody like me do in the world wait you're the you're one of the biggest rabbis in the world in a generation you're saying what else can you do yes when you compare helping another fellow Jew out of his dire situation versus everything else, the two don't compare. The two don't compare. This is the reason why HaKadosh Baruch says to the prophet Jeremiah in chapter 19, verse 15, or 15, 19, that those that help people do tshuva, they're going to be like stars. So much so that whatever they say I fulfill because a Jew that is not observing the Torah a Jew that's not keeping Shabbat a Jew that's not protecting his Kedusha a Jew that is not modest a Jew that is not uh, righteous when it comes to business a Jew that is not learning Torah is a Jew that's in dire need in destitute situation in a horrible shape to help that person there's no greater kindness in the world surely you can go spend more time learning torah you can go spend more time making money you can spend more time with your kids with your wife you can go spend more time sleeping but you took the time to go help this fellow jew out of his dire situation you rescued him out of the filth that he was in without even realizing it says you're a star whatever you say it's like i said it you pray i fulfilled Kepitiye, Pasuk says. In the name of Rabbi Yisrael Yisraelat, Sefer Netivot o, extraordinary Sefer that was translated to English, highly recommended. Rabbi Yisrael Yisraelat was once discussing something with someone. And the whole time that he's discussing, Rabbi Yisrael Salant has a big smile on his face. One of the students he's used to serious Musar you do wrong punishment you don't serve Hashem hundred percent you have a problem and so on and so forth a lot of heavy talk this is the master of Musar here we see the master of Musar smiley like a little boy what's going on here this young student didn't like it of course he had at least enough fear of his rabbi not to say something in front of somebody else but i didn't stop him from saying something during the next musar talk that rabbi israel gave the students this student protested but how do you explain yourself for that conversation that you had with that man where the whole time you guys are talking and just like "Ah," you know smiling of course, Rabbi Israim Isalant did not take this to heart. He knew this young student doesn't know the difference between serving Akadosh B'Akhu and serving yourself. He thinks that if you're serving Akadosh Bahu, that means that you have to be depressed, you have to be miserable. He doesn't realize that serving Akadosh B'Akhu, you have to do with happiness. Even if it's talking about serious issues, scary issues. And you have to take everything into account and everything into perspective. You young men are looking at this conversation from your perspective. You have your teacher that teaches you and the rest of the students about fear of the Almighty and serving at the highest level. And you're questioning why I'm not talking to him like I talk to you. And there lies the problem, that you're thinking of things only from your perspective. Had you made your fellow a king over you, you would have thought of things from his perspective. Had you made your rabbi a king over you, you would have thought of things from his perspective. Had you made your fellow Jew a king over you. You would have thought of things from a different perspective but you only thought of things from your perspective because you're the king in your head but you think that you're really serving the king in reality you're only serving your own ego yourself so the truth be told although in a class in a shiul, in a sefer we have to talk a certain way to certain people but what you don't know is that man that i spoke to was going through a depression because of a lot of anguish and suffering that he's endured things you would never know about that may never know about but he was going to major difficulty i had to do whatever i could to cheer him up you want me to cheer him up about genom? you want me to cheer him up about kafakela? you want me to cheer him up with chibuta or do you want me to cheer him up with at least giving him a smile and showing him that there is more to life than just his current dire circumstances had you had the teachings right in your mind you would have already known that looks can be deceiving you have to look at things not just from your perspective you have to look at things from other people's perspective needless to say a righteous person's perspective needless to say times a million a talmid chacham's perspective so much so that if the person is righteous you have to find a way to give them the benefit of the doubt if the person is a talmid chacham you can't even see anything wrong meaning that even if you see them driving on shabbat you have to use your imagination to convince yourself that there is someone in that car that they're driving in that they're taking to the hospital why? because there's no way that this righteous chacham, is violating Shabbat you have to already use that imagination to give them the benefit of the doubt and even if it's there is no way and it's clear and it's obvious and it's proven that what they did is wrong still you have to if they're Chacham, still you cannot judge them because surely if they're Chacham, they did Shuvah that night so by the time you see them again you can't look at them as wicked but if you only look at things from your perspective surely you're never going to be able to fulfill the obligation of making your fellow a king over you the Chachamim went to great lengths to practice this mitzvah. The greater the chachamim, the greater the responsibility. And the greater their effort was to fulfill that responsibility. and Zalman Melzer, in his weekly Shi'u in Yeshivat Etz Chaim, would put himself in a room for a few moments before starting the Shi'u each time until one day one of the young students peeked in to see what does the Rav do for those couple of moments is he studying more refreshing praying what is he doing only to hear the Rav repeat the same exact verse over and over over and over again for those couple of minutes you love your fellow as you love yourself trying to strengthen himself before every shoe because surely the students will sometimes not be as great as the teacher where their effort is more focused on when is this lecture going to be over their effort is more on what's for lunch Their mind is on. What am I going to do this weekend? What am I going to eat? Maybe I should take a nap now. And the Rav is already preparing for somebody in the crowd. To ask a question that's inappropriate. To do something that's inappropriate. Best yet to fall asleep in the front row and snore make sure that everybody hears you completely bored out of your mind while the is speaking and the rab says you must love your fellow jews you love yourself you love yourself surely you would not want somebody to embarrass you you love yourself surely you would not want somebody to make fun of you you love yourself, surely you would want someone to judge you favorably and realize that you didn't do it on purpose. You just lost a train of thought, and so on and so forth. So the rab before every shi'u, would constantly repeat to himself, you're giving this shi'u not only to help them, but help yourself help yourself by refreshing the subject help yourself by teaching it and thereby becoming more sharper about it but also help yourself fulfill the mitzvah of loving your fellow not because your fellow is easy to love and he's always smart and he's always kind and he's always great but rather the opposite where sometimes he's not so easy to love sometimes even hard to love the Gemara in Maseret Shabbat page 31a has the famous story with the goy that wanted to convert to Judaism. An arrogant goy comes to Shammai and tells him I want you to convert me after teaching me the entire Torah on one leg. Meaning one sentence I want to know the whole Torah. It's like people that do not even know the basic of what you need to do when you wake up in the morning as a Jew but yet they want to learn Kabbalah Rabbi I want to learn Kabbalah can you teach me or the best yet they just started watching your Shurim two days ago Rabbi can you uh teach me one-on-one I think I'll be a better uh better person if you teach me one-on-one And you can teach the whole world online but me one-on-one they think they're the first one or the last one to ask that many people think that the world revolves around them and this does not mean just the jews people that want to be jewish also do and people that are not even jewish also just the last two days until i eventually blocked them yesterday this guy has been sending me endless messages that don't really mean much. He's like a crazy person. And then he sends me a message and he says, I want to learn Kabbalah. Can you teach me? No. I want to learn Kabbalah with Rabbi Abu Can you help me? No. Why not? this is a legitimate question why not because I don't know Rabbi personally where can't you call him no why not these are legitimate questions that people take out of their day to ask me he actually believes that I am obligated to go call Rabbi and convince him to go teach him Kabbalah Why? He's delusional. He thinks that the world revolves around him. And of course, eventually I have to block this person because I just can't take it. If someone asks no more questions, I'm more than happy to answer. Someone acts crazy. There's just so much time that you have in a day. Especially if they call you when you tell them don't call. Now, people didn't just start doing that today. Person comes to Shemai and says, "I want you to convert me. After teaching me the whole Torah in one sentence, meaning prove to me that Torah is real, without all the proofs and shurim and three hours there and ten hours there. No, no, prove to me one sentence, the whole thing. You think that's only in Bet Shemai? Every week, at least one or two people say that to me. Prove to me the whole Torah in one sentence." Prove to me, uh, like somebody wrote in one of the comments, Prove to me that we're not in gay norm now. In one sentence. And even when you answer them, Eh, eh, why? Because they're not looking for the truth. They're just looking for something that for most people, at least the people they've dealt with, is not possible in order to justify their current behavior. So this guy comes to Shema and says teach me Torah on one leg. Shammai ba'uch Hashem told him go fly kite. Go fly kite. Close the door in his face. He then had unique type of patience, but also an ability to deal with certain people, unlike any other person. Not to say that he's greater than Shemai but there are certain things there are certain people that are they're better at it and it's known that Hillel was had the ultimate patience but he didn't just have ultimate patience to allow people to desecrate the Torah endlessly and so on because we see in the Mishnah and Avot Hillel sees a skull floating in the river and he says to the skull you are floating in the river because you did this to somebody else. And whoever did this to you, the same thing will happen to them. Meaning, Hillel is not one of these care bear Rabbis, Chash V'Shalom, that says, oh, we love everybody no matter what, everyone's going to heaven. No, no, you have a Mishnah in Abot that says, Hillel looks at a skull and says, you are murdered by somebody, and after that, not even have the privilege of getting buried because you murdered somebody. And who paid you measure for measure and whoever did this to you doesn't for a moment think that oh because you're a murderer that allowed them to murder you no no they're also going to get punished you have no permission whatsoever to take the law into your own hands so this very same Hillel comes and he's at his house and this guy comes to him Hillel, yes i want you to teach me the entire torah on one leg without skipping a beat says to this person whatever is hateful to you don't do to your friend this is in but a few words is the Torah all the rest is an elaboration of this one central point now go and learn it that's the sentence that's the torah whatever you hate don't do to your friend this is the whole torah now of course the liberals ignoramuses and the liars all love to manipulate this gemara to fit their agenda by saying you have to love everybody equally if he's a Mechalad Shabbat atheist missionary anti-God if he's a a a terrorist a communist love everybody no that's not what Hillel is saying Hillel is saying whatever you hate don't do to your friend if a person managed their life in such a fashion then they would be able to fulfill the entire Torah Why? First and foremost, no one likes to be cheated. No one likes to be lied to. If you hate when people lie to you, if you hate being taken advantage of, if you hate being cheated, and therefore you're not going to do it to somebody else, that automatically makes you a kosher person to do business with. And not... Think twice of how you're gonna take advantage of me. If you don't like when people cheat on you, if you don't like when people mock you, if you don't like when people intimidate you unnecessarily, if you don't like when people take advantage of you, if you don't like when people are stingy with you, if you don't like when people rape you, if you don't like when people do anything bad to you, and therefore you won't do it to somebody else, That can make you a good husband. Why? Because you won't do all those bad things to your wife. Simple. If you don't like. When people. Are bad to you in any way shape or form. And therefore you're not going to do that to others. Surely that's going to make you a decent human being. But how does that fulfill the entire Torah. When we already know that there's more mitzvot that are between man and God versus man and man because Akadosh Baruch Hu himself also calls himself friend he calls himself our friend at different times with Tzadikim if a person thought about the relationship this friend is not just referring to another human being Even if you deluded yourself into thinking that Hashem is your friend, and not your God, not your Father in Heaven, but your friend, would you want to be your friend with the way that you're treating Him? Now if you ask the average person, do you love God more than He loves you, less than He loves you, or as much as He loves you? The average person will probably tell you, oh, I love Hashem, I love God, but uh, probably not as much as He loves me because He's unlimited. No problem. Now, let's just say, let's just say, it's obvious that God loves us more than we love Him. It's obvious. But let's just say, you do love God. Okay? Would you want God To love you as much as you love him and show you the love that you have for him, but back to you. Let's say the unlimited love that he has was not available. And the only love that was possible was the love that you have for him. That's what he can return to you, like a mirror. Would you want that love? friend no an ignorant delusional person will typically say yeah of course yeah yeah I love God but hold on a second you love God right did you make it on time to prayer today no how about yesterday how about day before when you prayed did you think about God or you thought about stuff he can give you money women men dogs cats cars whatever it is that's on your head probably thought about everything but God no what if God when you prayed he also didn't show up and you were praying for life's sake you needed God to save you because your life is on the line. You're on a on on, on, the, on top of the hill. You're about to fall. You need him to catch you. And he said, God, help me. And God said, hold on a second. I'll be there in 10 minutes. How about that, friend? Or what about when you were praying, God, I need you. I need you. I don't have money to pay rent. I don't have this. Oh, God, it's a, it's a, it's a miscarriage. Uh, almost. The doctors are saying it's going to be one. I need your help. I need this. I need that. And God's busy thinking about, you know, there's so many people in the world. I gotta do so much stuff. Gotta keep this world going, the atmosphere, the sun, the moon. You know, the angels also need some attention. And uh, all these atheists gotta convince them and you're praying praying your heart out i need you god i need you it's gonna be something i need you to save my life now god's like what is that what are they saying hold on i'll be there in a second i got stuff on my mind ah you know so much stuff to do and you're screaming your lungs out god's busy thinking about other things friend If God says you see someone in need, even if that someone, somebody you don't know, it's a fellow Jew, he needs help, go help him. Even if that help is Torah, even if that help is to defend the Torah, not because he needs you to defend the Torah, but because he wants you to defend the Torah. Would you do it? Would you want God to defend you and help you like you help others? Well, let's see. You had 50, 100,000, 200,000, 500,000 in the bank, money coming in each month, but you were saving for vacation or a second house, maybe a third or another investment property. So you can have a comfortable retirement. And just so happened that this need came up. There needs to be poor people in the world, says Rabbi Akiva, to get the rest of us out of gehenom for the sins we've made. So Hashem sends you an opportunity, he sends you a poor person. Maybe that poor person even happens to be a great fortune for you because he happens to be a Torah scholar too. He says, can you help me? there's a surgery that's necessary food that's necessary diapers that are necessary rent can you help me yeah sure sure you know what hold on a second here yeah. keep it that whole hundred it's for you torah institution you've benefited from you know they exist they do good things say we need help to build the yeshiva to get more avrechim help more torah comes into the world yeah that's a good ad i like the music in the background 180 for you guys 10 times high sounds good sounds reasonable what if it was the opposite and you needed you were in dire straits the business was on the verge of bankruptcy one of your greatest investments was looked into by the government Shemishmo, where if they see what they choose to see or even what's actually there to see the business shut down if they find that file that happens to be there but you made it not there and they sent their vultures to go look to find something unpaid taxes undocumented workers unpaid bills even or perhaps even a sign that's supposed to be on the door or on a wall but that's not there they're looking and they're looking and you're praying to HaKadosh, get these vultures out of here and hashem responds in kind he needs my help why does he need oh he needs to save this million dollar business it's a big need you know what i'll make the guy five minutes late wait god but but it's that's five minutes late like how is that gonna help me he's still gonna come he's helping you in kind you had a lot and you gave a little to the poor person he's helping you in kind would you want that type of love friend you see rabotai karim the more we look into it, the more we realize how much we need God to love us a whole lot more than we love Him. But also, how much we desperately need to love Akadosh Ba'uchu much more than what we already do. One of the ways to show Akadosh Baruch Hu that we love Him is exactly the example that we gave at the beginning. When you send your friend, your fellow, his kid back home, after you have gave him some food, you gave him a cake, put a little bit on his cheek. Put a little bit on his ear. Make sure that that serves as a reminder to that parent that you fed him. Why? Because that will make that parent happy that somebody else also loves their kid when we show a Kadosh Baruch how much we love his kids that we take our time to make them kings over us we stand for them we help them we do whatever we can to go out of the way for them not because it's a benefit to us but rather because it's a way for us to express that life is more than just our own interest. Life is for us to show a Baruch Hu that we're trying to love Him at least, at least more than what we love Him right now. Surely we will never love Him as much as He loves us. We are limited beings. But all of us can do more to love a kadosh Hu more. And when you do that, you'll end up loving his creation too not only seeing the flaws in everyone but rather seeing if you can help them not only seeing the deficiencies in your own life but also seeing the benefits of being alive and being one that understands that a who is watching not just seeing all of the things you need from god but rather looking forward to fulfilling your obligations to God. Not because you're scared of the punishment that he will give you if you don't listen to him, but rather because life might as well be death when you live without him. A Kadosh Baruch Hu is so great and so holy that he has an unlimited amount of love for us. But the same token he has rules for himself to not give us an endless amount of times to fulfill his will each one of us has a certain amount of time and because of his love for us he has to do whatever he can to inspire us direct us push us towards the direction of serving him like we're supposed to be like the way we say we do you see every single day a person prays to a Baruch Hu for a lot of different things if you go to synagogue in the morning you pray and you ask a Baruch Hu to give you more not just more money not just more food not just more uh things of this world that are physical but rather more Torah that will give you more clarity more purpose more tools but if you don't use it then you'll be left worse than what you started with why said this parable he said there was once a person that needed money to help his daughter get married and although he was a little embarrassed and although he was a little uncomfortable he decided to call one of the people in the community that was known to be someone that loved to help and he calls him he says zalman yes yes it's david david oh david how are you good good how's your kids beseder david how, how are you you okay you need something when well, no. well h- how are you feeling beseder david is that what you call me to see how i'm feeling how my kids well he's still embarrassed well David you are you okay everything is okay by you yes 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 what can I help you with well Zalman I need to wed my daughter and I was wondering if you're willing to lend me 300 rubles sure David of course just come to my office today at 12 o'clock fantastic thank you Zalman thank you David so the day goes on 12 o'clock shows up Zalman is waiting in his office with 300 rubles a hefty sum but nonetheless he loves his fellow and wants to help him but as you would have it David never shows up not at 12 not even at 12 30 and Zalman is a very busy person he can't just wait there forever after waiting for him for 45 minutes he has to leave the office but he tells his assistant to note it if david shows up later that day he finds out from his assistant that david never showed up at all strange why would you ask if you're not going to show up but the next morning at exactly the same time it's 6 30 in the morning Zalman is already up ready for the day and he gets a call and who is it it's David Zalman yes yes it's David oh David what happened to you yesterday oh you know things happen but I was wondering if you could help me yeah sure what can I help you with wherever everything okay by you yes it's okay are your kids okay yes yes they're okay your weather by you is okay yes yeah, you didn't call me for the weather or for my kids what did you call me for yesterday you called me and you didn't show up well that's the thing i didn't show up but i actually i still need the money would you be so kind and be willing to lend me the 300 rubles that i need to wed my daughter sure david no problem at 12 o'clock i'll be waiting for you oh you're fantastic zalman thank you i look forward to seeing you well 12 o'clock comes, Salman is waiting at the office. And David does not show up. Not at 12 or 12.15. Not even at 12.45. Zalman is a busy person and has to go. And later finds out from the assistant that David did not even show up. This story just continues to get stranger. The third day comes at exactly the same time. David calls Zalman. Zalman! Zalman is not exactly so happy to hear David. Yes, David. How can I help you? How are you? Is everything okay? Everything is okay except that you keep standing me up and you tell me to wait in my office to help you and you don't show up. Everything everything other than that is okay. Oh, Would you be so kind to help me? With what? I need the 300 rubles. David, are you sure you need them? Yes, I'll see you today at 12. 12 o'clock comes and David doesn't show up. Not at 12, not even at 12.30 or 12.45. Three days in a row, David asks for a loan Zalman says sure by the fourth day Zalman is not exactly ecstatic to hear from David when his phone rings early in the morning Zalman what David are you crazy are you out of your mind are you just playing a joke on me no no are you okay okay you're driving me crazy you keep asking me to help you Rab says that's us you're laughing you're crying but that's us every day every morning a Jew wakes up and says to Akadosh Baruch Hu, thank you for giving me another opportunity because you have Emuna in me that today I will do tshuva and later on you pray you pray to Akadosh Baruch Hu, asking him for everything And one of those great things that you ask him for, that Hashem is waiting to hear from you, is give me some more Torah. Give me some more Torah because I need more ways to know how to serve you better. Give me more Torah so I know how to live a better life. Give me more Torah so I can make sure that my fellow is a king over me rather than me being a king over him. Give me more Torah so I have more purpose. Give me more Torah so I have a life. And Akadosh Hu responds and he says to us, You got it. You got it. But then the prayer is done. We put away our to fill in and we run out of the synagogue. Never had a chance to open the book. Didn't manage a schedule in a fashion where we learn in the morning we figure we'll do it later and later comes it's still nothing and not even later that evening because you're busy eating and working and calling and living and forget that you need instructions for all of that and the day is over and we start the next day are you okay you know i love you right you know you're everything can you give me some more torah can you so i know how to serve you better so i know what the purpose of life is can you give me some more torah so i have more clarity and therefore i'm never ever ever again anxious about anything can you give me some more torah so i know the purpose of life and never ever question? Why I'm here? Can you give me some more Torah? So all of these crazy thoughts of suicide and depression and, and, and all types of things are never ever something that I have in my mind. Can you give me some more Torah? So I can help other people and my kids and, and the neighbors and, and, and all these strange people. And I, Hashem says, Sure, I'll see you later today. Waiting for you. As much Torah as you want. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu, gives all types of extraordinary Torah thoughts in the hands of the angels that are waiting for you. The minute you open that Gemara, the minute you turn on that shoe, the minute you put more of your life into the Torah than you do into your sandwich, into your job, into your car, into everything else out there. And those angels are waiting and waiting but as soon as the prayer is finished the guy is out of the office listening to sports on the way listening to news thinking about everything but Hu, because he figures later on i'll in my break i'll listen to something i'll read something but later on comes and the yetzara comes with it and all of a sudden dinner time comes and dinner time I'm hungry so there's no time to learn then so he eats and then after that you have to spend some time with the kids and the wife and before you know it too tired too tired and the day is over and the third day you know i love you right you okay hashem you're okay everything's okay by you Am Israel is okay? Well, listen, God, I need a favor. That Torah you gave at Mount Sinai, I don't know all of it. In fact, most of it I don't know. Can you give it to me so I don't have any more anxiety? So I have more blessings in my business. So my wife doesn't argue with me constantly because I'm not talking to her the right way, and she's not talking to me the right way. And my kids stop having doubts about if there's a God, so I can answer them. So you can give me all of those different things you have it in that Torah, right? So can you give it to me today? says, "Of course, my son. I have been waiting for you for three thousand three hundred thirty-three years. Today you're gonna get it." And the prayer is finished. And the guy's out the door. Looking forward to being in traffic. Looking forward to being at a job. Looking forward to being in the world to acquire stuff. Forgetting there's instructions to do all of that. Forgetting everything he asked for. And day after day, Akadosh Ba'uchuda loves us much more than we could ever love him. Waits and waits only to hear us again. Ask for more. But forsake ourselves by simply not being there to receive it. So yeah, he does love us a whole lot more than we could ever love him. Perhaps it's time we not only work on loving him more and loving our fellow more. But perhaps it's time to realize that by loving him more and loving our fellow more we'd end up loving ourselves more because all of it benefits us more than anyone else amen